Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Good morning, everyone. Um, it, was, it was really amazing when we were praying for the Queen. I think I was even thinking the other day, it was like, you don't really take it all in until like, she passed away and you go, wow, what an, you know, an amazing life that she you know, proclaimed the gospel. She, she loved Jesus. And, and you know, it's a shame that almost after the fact, you reverence it more than actually in the moment. But yeah, what an amazing life. And we continue to pray that you know, that promise where the increase of your government and peace, there is no end, Jesus. And that even in this time now, even if it looks like that's gone, that actually Jesus would still reign over this country and we would see the country actually turn to Jesus even more. It doesn't have to be that you go on a downward spiral, that it can actually be that we can go ascending from, from glory to glory and, and drawing closer to Jesus, and not that just because she's gone that we drift further away. So I think that's great that we continue to pray for our nation and, and for those in, in government and in leadership. And, um, and speaking of that, actually, God gave me a word to... Um, actually preach about another, another king in the Bible. Um, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to kind of go straight into it. But we're going to look at um, the life of King Jehoshaphat. Um, this is in the Old Testament. Um, you'll find it, it, if we go to Second Chronicles, we're going to just look at chapter 20. Um, so yeah, if you can't find that, it's just between Genesis and Matthew. So that, that, should, help you, that should help you out. But um, just to give a bit of context before we kind of get into it, this is, you know, there's a couple of chapters before speaking about Jehoshaphat, how he's become the king. He's the king of Judah, and he's establishing righteousness in the land. He is, he is setting his heart to seek the Lord. He's trying to turn the nation back to God. He's getting rid of some of the idols. He's establishing judges that live under the fear of the Lord and that act righteously in, in making righteous judgments. He's trying to turn this nation and lead them to the Lord. And then what we see here is he then comes, faces an invasion into his land. Even though he's doing everything following the Lord, he still faces this. So I'm just going to read through Second Chronicles chapter 20 here from verse 1. And it says here, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and the others, with them besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Just a side point here. You know, it says that he, he feared, and obviously, you know, in the Christian life, God doesn't want us to live in fear or be overwhelmed. But if in moments that fear or feeling of overwhelm draws you to Jesus, then that can be a great thing as well. God can use that. If, we, if it brings us to the Lord, then God can work with that. But if it drives us away from the Lord, that's where the problems come. And it's obviously God doesn't want us to live in fear. But if in moments we then use that to come to Jesus, which Jehoshaphat did, comes to the Lord, God is able to use that, and we'll see that later. So I'll just continue in verse 4. It says, So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? 
And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwelt in it and have built you a sanctuary for it in your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they have turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what, is, what to do, but our eyes are upon you. So here is Jehoshaphat calling the people to fast, to seek the Lord, and he comes before the Lord in prayer with the nation. And he's basically saying, we are living a righteous life. We've obeyed you. We followed in your footsteps. When you told us not to invade them, not to take from them, we didn't do it. And now they're repaying us. We're, we're now having this injustice done against us, even though we have followed in the righteous judgments of the Lord. And that last verse, verse 12, which I love, and it says, you know, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. So even in this time of where we're not sure what, what to do next, we don't know what the will of God is, we don't know what step or what path to take, what we, do, what we can do is we can fix our eyes on Jesus and God, we are focusing on you and we're trusting in you that you will deliver us and you will give us the answer. You know, and this was, if you look really in history, this was actually a defining point in Jehoshaphat's reign. You know, there's a few chapters in the Bible that speaks of his life and, and of him being a king. And this really is a significant point in his life. You know, it, it kind of, after this chapter, it kind of just talks about the end of his reign. But this was a, this was a defining moment, not just for him, but for the, for the country, for the, for the land of Judah. This was a, a huge moment. And sometimes when we're in life, in our situation, sometimes it just feels like you're facing a problem or you're facing a situation. And then it feels big in the moment, but you don't think it has a, a huge impact. But then when you look back on it, when you maybe five years, ten years down the line, you can look back and you can go, wow, that really was a defining point in my life. That, when I made that decision or when I went that way, that really did shape the course of my life. And here it was the same. This was a huge moment for the, for the land and for him as well. And this became a, a huge testimony, as we'll read later. And what is amazing about this, what's amazing about this moment is that when we seek the Lord, when we come before him, you know, you, there aren't any prerequisites to following the will of God. There, are, there is no requirements to start beginning your journey following God's plan for your life. You know, it amazes me when you look at the life of the disciples. For most of the disciples, there is no backstory. There is no build-up. You just see them and then just bang, they're there straight away. Jesus calls them. You see in the life of Elijah, the first sentence that's written about Elijah is just, he is before the king and he tells him there's, no, there's going to be no rain on this land. And straight away he is in the call of God. And obviously there is obedience and, and God will give you more and more as you walk out in that in faith and obedience. But to start that walk, to begin in the will of God, there is no prerequisite. There is, there is nothing that God requires from you to even begin the journey. And here with the land and with the city of Jehoshaphat, when they're seeking God, 
that, that is all that needs to be done. There wasn't anything else that was required, that they just sought the Lord. And it's the same for us as well. And we see here, you know, some of the, you know, we had the youth up here, I think, like beginning of the year, and they were preaching on the fundamentals of the Christian life. And you see it here as well when it talks about how they, you know, they sought the Lord, they, they fasted, they, they prayed. You know, these things are fundamentals of the Christian life. You know, I know there, there are people today, and, and sad, sad to say there are some people that say that fasting isn't for today, and that fasting isn't part of the gospel, but Jesus said, you know, after I'm gone, they will fast. And prayer and fasting and seeking God is 100% for today, and it, and it is part of the Christian life. And I know, I know for my life, and I know for there'll be plenty of people in this room, you could look back at your life, and I can look back on my life, of key moments of breakthrough or answers to prayer where, where it's come just before or during a time of fasting and prayer, and where that truly was a turning point in my life or a turning point in that situation. And that, it, that is 100% for today. That wasn't, fasting wasn't necessarily what I was going to preach today, but I really feel that that is a key thing. You know, fasting, what it does, and I'm not going to go too much into this, but I really just feel the need to say this, but fasting really is a, is a twofold thing, personally, what I find. It, it increases your dependency on God, it heightens your awareness to God, and it drowns out the noise of the world, and it increases your awareness to the Lord, and it makes you more dependent on him as well. It, it means I'm not trying to, in my own way, try and facilitate it. I'm actually humbling myself to receive from the Lord, and it is such a, a key for receiving revelation and wisdom and, and direction from the Lord, and it's, it's, such, a, it's such a practical way of, of humbling yourself before the Lord, and, and this is what the people did, but it has to be fasting and prayer. It's not just fasting, it's fasting and it's praying and it's seeking God and it's in that there is a, I don't know how to describe it, there's just a power in that, there is a power in fasting and prayer and I know, I know for me God has been calling me into increased times of fasting and, and I know there's people here that fast and, and stuff but I just want to encourage you in that or if God has spoken that to you and maybe you've kind of resisted it or people have said other things but fasting is 100% for today, prayer is 100% for today and and those things together, it really taps into the, to the heart of God and into the, to the, the river of God, the spirit of God. And, and we're going to see that here. So I'm just going to kind of read on here. And it says here, verse 13, it says, Now Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. You know, it's so key that when we pray and when we fast and when we seek God, and in these times of you know, crying out or drawing near to God, we also wait on the Lord as well. You know, I heard someone really amazingly explain this far better than I could, and I'm stealing from them. But they said, waiting on the Lord, it's kind of like, um, it's, not, it's not a passive thing. Waiting on the Lord is like, is like being a waiter, right? If you're a waiter at a restaurant, you're not just like chilling in the back, just doing whatever you want. Not if you're a good one anyway, but... If you're, if you're a waiter, you are, you're actively watching the tables, right? You're actively watching the people ready to serve, ready to go at, at the signal, really, at the command or at the, at the impression. So, and that's the same thing when we wait on God. It's not just necessarily a passive thing, but it's actively waiting on the Lord, ready to, ready to act when he acts, ready to act when he speaks. And that is what waiting on the Lord is here. And, and here they are, they're setting themselves up to see what God is to say to them. 
And then you read here in verse 14, it said, Then the Spirit of the Lord came to Jehaziel, the son of Jerichiah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asper, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Amen. You know, what's key here is you see just, it's not, it's not a formula, but you see like the steps of where, it's what I was kind of saying earlier, but that prayer, that fasting, that seeking God, that when you are in that moment, when you are setting yourself to seek the Lord and it's, it's through those times and you are waiting on the Lord, it becomes like a landing spot for the Spirit of God. You know, we live as new born-again believers, we live with the Spirit of God that lives in us. But there is, a, there is a divine life of the Lord that we can live in, and, and that comes through these things. And as they were praying, as they were fasting, as they were seeking God, then the Spirit of God came upon it. There was a, it, was a, it was an action and it was a response from the Lord that came down and then touched that and touched them. And, you know, this is really clear. There are times in your life maybe where, you know, what path to take or where to go isn't so clear. It's not as black and white in terms of, I don't know, if you're standing and trying to fight for your marriage, right? And, you know, obviously God wants you to, to fight for that marriage or to pray for one another or to pray for your family or, or to do things. Maybe there are times in your life where maybe it's job-related, where it's family-related, where it's other things going on. Maybe it's, God, is this what you're calling me into? Maybe where it's not so clear, where it's not so black and white. This is where we need the Spirit of the Lord. This is where we need Jesus to come and to speak and have that divine word, because if you go down that path and you're, you're years down that path, you don't want to be turning back going, was that really God that was saying that? You want to be sure, and even if it's, you're facing difficulty or you're facing struggle or there's, there's resistance, you know that God has spoken this and that you're going in the right direction and that God will fulfill what he's promised when you walk in that way. And it's so important that we don't just take a scripture or take a word and then just run with that, but it's important to know, like, is God saying that word for me? Is God speaking that for, for this situation? And it's having the spirit and the word. It's having the spirit of God upon that word and using that. And, and when you know that, then you can walk out in obedience to it. You know, I know for my life, you know, there are times where it's not clear. And I know for my life, there was a time, man, I was coming out of university. I just got, you know, a really good degree and stuff. And I... I knew what I wanted to go into, I knew what I wanted to do, and basically for a year I was applying, I was studying, I was doing all this thing, and I couldn't get, interview after interview after interview, I couldn't get anywhere, and I knew it was, got to the sense where I knew it was God holding me back, I knew it was a, it was God trying to pull me away, and looking back at it, I know why, I wasn't ready to go into that, not without the relationship with the Lord, not going into that world. But there was a time where God really called me away. And for a month, I remember I, was, I just went away in my bedroom. I'd only ever come out for, di- for meals. And I'd just be in there and I'd just seek God for a month. There was no part-time work, no nothing, no 
anything else. And I was just seeking God for a month. And then when I felt God kind of not relieve me from that, but kind of step back out into that, straight away I got this job that I couldn't have got on my own and straight away within about a few days. And it was, it was knowing when you have the Spirit of God upon it as well, and that comes through, sometimes through seeking God and separating yourself and, and really committing yourself unto the Lord in prayer and in, in fasting and seeking God. And, you know, you see that in, in revivals, in churches and stuff. You see the history of it. It's low, almost every single time it comes through prayer. It comes through humbling yourself. It comes through seeking God. It comes through, comes through these, these patterns and these steps that are thousands and thousands of years old, that is from generation to generation, that is all throughout the Bible. And then God is able to come upon that and God is able to move in a way that we could never fashion, that we could never manipulate in our own strength. And this is what you see here. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. Then the Spirit of the Lord spoke. And this is so key for us today. It's so key that we go as the Lord goes and not in our own strength. I think, you know, one of the sad stories in the, in the Bible is the story of Samson. He is a man of great strength with this long hair that he vowed never to cut. And then eventually he, get, he tells the woman, he tells her how he is this strong. He, he gives away the secret and because of that his, his hair gets cut and he's, he's kind of disobedient. He dishonors what God has honored him with. And then the enemies come to fight him and he just goes and does what he always does before. Does before. And he, goes, he says, I'll go and fight them. And then the verse says in, I think it's Judges 16, 20, in the verse... In the Bible it says, but God was not with him when he went out. You know, he went out, he did the same thing that he did all the time. The thing that worked all the time, but God was not in that anymore. And even though we have Jesus with us always, the divine path of the Lord, the, the will that God has for your life, that, that richness and that abundance of life that Jesus has for you, is only in it when we cooperate with him, when we submit to him, when we follow his leading. We don't go and then ask God to bless us and kind of, fix it up on the way, we go where he goes. And we follow Jesus wherever he goes. And you see that in the life of Samson, where he went, but God wasn't in that. And it's so important that we go in his direction and we never go in our own leading. And you see that's what he's done here. They see that the divine revelation of the Lord comes when we humble ourselves before the Lord, when we seek him. And this is what happened here. And if you read here, I'm just going to go from verse... Uh, let's go from verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Korahites and to the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in your prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise before the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. You know, as we receive that revelation of the Lord, maybe you, now you know the will of God for your life, or you know the steps ahead, you know what God is calling you into and unto, it's now unto us to then be obedient to that and to walk out in it. 
You know, it's not just enough to know the will of God, it's to also follow that. And that requires faith, and that requires you know, patience and, and humbling of ourselves, where we're not trying to do it in our own way, but we're going in God's way. And as we have sought him and as he has spoken, it's now on to us to be faithful to him, as he is always faithful to us. We know that when we seek God, when we pray, he will always answer us when we truly seek him. And, and in that, we then respond in faithfulness as well. And we respond following him, trusting that he is the Lord and that he is king of our lives. And you see that here, that now, now they're saying, believe in God and you shall be established. And they go out praising the Lord. You know, there's a message on that in, in going out and worshipping and, and praising, even in the midst of a, an awful situation, in the midst of going, basically, they're, they're heading headfirst into war with, with nothing, with no, with no weapons, but they're trusting in Jesus. They're trusting in the Spirit of God. And you see this, you know, again, it's, it's the life of not going your own way. This is what, you know, Jesus, at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry, he speaks to Peter on the beach. And he says to him, you know, when you were young, you used to go in the way that you wanted, but now you're going to hold your hands out and you'll be led, you'll be led in the way that you shall go. And that was, that was speaking of his ultimate death and, and martyrdom, but it's also of the Christian life as well, that a life of maturity is a life of following the leading of the Lord. You know, in, in the world, being mature is being more independent, but in God's eyes, being more mature is being more dependent on the Lord. It is a, a turning away from your own ways and following Jesus in everything that he says. And that is the sign of maturity. That is the sign of, a, of someone committed to the Lord, is following his footsteps, following the shepherd, following Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we see that here. Now they've spoken, they say, you know, go there, stand still. God is going to bring your deliverance. So again, they're not going there with weapons. They're not going there to, to attack or to defend. They're going there trusting Jesus, following him. And that is a true sign of maturity in the Christian faith. You know, you see this in, in Psalm 33. There's a psalm about unity, and it talks about the blessing and the anointing of unity that runs down from the head. And obviously, Jesus is the head in the body of Christ. And when we have that unity with Jesus, when we are fully in with Jesus, we are fully committing our ways to his ways, and we are following him, and we are committing ourselves to whatever he says, there is a, a blessed and a, a wonderful anointed path for us and that comes through the unity with Jesus himself. And that, that's what we see here as well. So I'm just going to read on from verse 22. It says, Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah. And they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they met, had made an end of the inhabitants of Sire, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, and precious jewellery which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled to the valley of, of Barakah, for, they, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Barakah until this day. Then they returned 
every man of Judah and Jerusalem, with Jehoshaphat in front of them, to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the armies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. You know, you see here that they went into the battle, and not only did they not lose a single person, not only did they win the battle, but they received all the riches that these other people had. It went far beyond anything that they were praying for, that God did an exceedingly great miracle, that the armies turned against themselves, defeated them, and then... You know, the land of Judah, the, the army of Jehoshaphat came in and just took all the reward, and God truly fought their battle for them. As the Spirit of God spoke, and they went out in obedience to that, and then they saw God being faithful as he always is. But it took them being obedient to that calling as well, and you see that in their life. You saw them seeking the Lord. You saw them going out in obedience to what God had spoke, and then you saw the reward from that. And again, you see that in our lives as well, you see that Jesus calls us to himself. He calls us to obedience. I think for me, when I was reading this, it was really just spoke to me, 1 Peter 5, where it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And it's, it's that humbling yourself, you know, in prayer, in fasting and seeking God and letting God exalt you. You know, you never want to be the one that exalts yourself. If you are trying to promote yourself, you're going to have to keep promoting yourself forever. If you jump on that bike, if you jump on that, that running wheel, you're going to have to stay on that the whole time. You're going to have to keep yourself going. But if you let God exalt you, he is the one that does it, and you are walking in, a, in an anointed way of the Lord. You're, you're in a, on a higher plane than anything you could have ever done in your own strength. And this was them going out in, in, in the Lord's way, in his anointing, by his spirit, by his word, and in that, it was exceedingly abundantly above anything they could even ask or think. It was way above their prayers. Their prayers were like, God, save us, protect us, not God, give us everything that they have, and, and that no, not one life would be destroyed. And it was, it was an amazing miracle of the Lord. But it came through that, that humbling, that seeking God. And this was something that Jehoshaphat was building in and building in, and even in his life when he is following the way of the Lord. You know, he's following the way of the Lord and this, this stuff comes against him. You know, with us and I know other people here, I know in our family, we, after we had Micah, there was like a hundred things going on. There was loads of situations here. And I remember Hannah's mum called us, said, you guys just need to get together and you need to pray. And you need to pray as a family and you need to spend time in prayer. And there are some times where there are so many things going on, you just get so numb to the situation. It's just like, thing after thing after thing, you're just like, it's, it just kind of, you just go numb, it's just like, it's so much going on, it's just like, what do I do? But sometimes it is just that call, you need to pray, you need to seek God, and you need God to deliver you from this. There's nothing, nothing else that you can bring to the table, really, is Jesus needs to come and save this, and we, that comes through prayer, that comes through seeking God, that comes, that comes through fasting as well, that comes through setting yourself aside to the Lord, that he may speak and he may act. You know, there's a wonderful promise in Isaiah 64, verse 4, and it says, you know, no eye has seen, no man has heard, the God who acts for the one who waits for him. And it says God acts for the one who waits for him, that when we are actively waiting on the Lord, when we are 
we are setting ourselves aside and we are focusing on the Lord and we're, we're not trying to manipulate it in our own way. We're not praying for God, you know, God, what you know, job do you want me to take? I'm going to apply for that job anyway, waiting for you to speak. But it's like, God, what, what do you want me to do? And I'm going to wait until you speak. And if, if I don't hear anything, I'm not going to act. I'm not going to act because I trust in you and you're faithful. And I don't want to try and, I don't want to try and manipulate the situation. I don't want to try and work something that isn't of you. I want to follow you and I want to follow your steps because your way is greater than my way. It says that in Isaiah, you know, the Lord's ways are greater than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His, when you tap into the spirit, when you tap into that, that realm of, of prayer, of seeking God, it goes way above anything you could have thought before. It goes way beyond. It has a greater impact. You know, in that moment, they probably didn't think about you know, the, the land of Judah for generations and generations to come. This had a, a huge impact. It, if, it, could, it could have gone on one or two ways. And if they would have been overcome by the enemy, this would have had an impact that went for generations and generations. But because of this, because they sought the Lord, this had a, God was able to work a far greater good that went far beyond what they probably even thought in the moment. And this is what happens when we seek the God, Lord. God is able to work in such a higher reality than what we even realize. He's able to do far greater than we know when we truly set ourselves apart for him. You know, I want to... I want to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wrapping to the end and I want to invite the worship band in a second, or sorry, in a minute, but what I want to say is, and I want to remind you that there are times where it is really hard, it is really hard to obey the Lord. Maybe you're, you know, I, I know for myself, you know, when you have a kid or you have a wife, it's like so much extra responsibility, you know, when you're, when you're on your own, it's kind of like, I can, I can do what I want and I can ride or die of my own decision, right? But when you've got other people, it feels like, the burden feels greater. Or if you're praying for someone else, it's, it's almost a greater burden because it's not just you anymore. It's, it's someone else and someone else is responsible and, and you feel that. And sometimes when God calls you to do something and that obedience, it, it feels like it requires so much more of you and it's, it's so much harder than it, than it was before. But you know, I want to encourage you that, that Jesus never calls you into something that he hasn't walked before. You know, It says in the Bible that he is the shepherd and the lamb that he endured everything and then he went before us and called us to follow him. And that's why it says in Hebrews he's the perfect high priest, that he was tempted in all things but found blameless in none, that he can sympathize with us in every single thing. That Jesus, does, is, can't, Jesus doesn't say that he can't relate to your situation or, or is unaware of what you're going through, that Jesus has walked that very road as well. And that what he asked you to go in, he has walked that way as well that Jesus will never ask you to go in a way that he has never gone himself first, and that when he is leading you and calling you, it's because he's gone down that same path, and that you are not alone in that, and that maybe you're here today and you know what God's calling you into. You know that maybe God's been speaking to you, maybe he's been knocking at the door of your heart even this week or this month or even this year, but you're struggling to go in that way, that, that God will equip you, and that when we humble ourselves, when we submit to God, God will enable us and empower us to walk in his way and not only that, bring the result that he desired to. You know, I'll invite the, the worship band up now. And you see here, you know, in this story, God, God's will was, for, was never for them to be destroyed. God's purpose was for them to be delivered, that they would be kept safe, that these were his people, these were his chosen ones. But it came through them 
submitting to God. It came from them humbling themselves to God and then walking out in faith once they received that word. When they were able to do that, then they were able to walk in the will of, the God, will of God. You know, God had his will, God had his desire for them, but in that they were able to tap into and walk in the abundant life that God has for them. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.centre-church.uk.